0: Tonight we're all ears. We're all heart, Lord. We're we're listening. We're expecting to hear something from you, Lord, that's going to better our lives, Lord. Whenever we open up your Word, Father God, we know the promises of Scripture that say, uh, whenever the Word is preached, it does not go out void. It doesn't return empty, Lord. That we're getting something out of tonight that's going to bless us and draw us closer to you. So, Lord, would we we be attentive to what you have for us? Would we walk away? That much more changed because we've had an experience with you and your people in your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, guys, well, here's the deal: we're in our needs to succeed series where we've been talking about there's basic human needs in life, right? We've been saying that there's there's things that every human being, no matter what, what race, country, creed, wherever you're from, there's basic needs that we all as human beings have. And there's this awesome verse that we read in Philippians 4:19. That Paul, the apostle, is promising, uh, making a promise about our needs. He says this, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. He's talking to all the Christians, all the people that follow Jesus. The same God that takes care of my needs will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now we got to believe that we got to understand that the basic needs that have been identified. Remember we talked about, um, uh, professor, Dr. Abraham Maslow that identified all the basic needs. And, and there's that, that, that chart right here that says these are all the basic needs. Well, in this series, we're talking about these are the basic human needs that we've, we've uh, kind of identified. So how does Philippians 4.19 speak to that? Because if God is a God that is supposed to supply all of our needs, then it should be that we can go through all of these and say, yes, God is a good God. He knows all the needs. And so today what we're going to be talking about is these two needs right here, which are kind of funky names, cognitive needs and aesthetic needs. And basically what that means is cognitive, cognitive has to do with uh, people's knowledge and understanding and wisdom. It means there's a part of us that constantly wants to learn more. Also, the aesthetic needs are basically the beauty that's around us. There's a need inside of us that refreshes us whenever we look at something beautiful and we look at the grand scheme of nature and, and, and how, how beauty works in our lives. And, and to talk about this, I wanted to remind you of, of the weightiness and the gravity and the overwhelming uh, need and the joy we get from physical beauty that God has created around us. I want to take you guys back a couple years, if you guys remember this famous video of someone who responded profoundly to God's beautiful creation. Can, can you guys remember this video with me? you guys remember this one? Whoa! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God. Woo! Ah! Oh. Oh my ah, my God, look at that. It's starting to even look like a triple rainbow. Oh my God, it's full on, double rainbow all the way across the sky. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. Oh God. This mean. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh my God! You guys remember that one? The guy like comes ac- across his first double rainbow, and he almost has a heart attack. He literally, if you watch the video, he starts sobbing. Oh, 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 what does this mean? But there's something that God created in all of us that there's a need for beauty. There's a need for us to see nature at its finest. We have these needs that like. Like, why is it that we put makeup on? Well, girls, how come you put makeup on? And we wear, like, fashion, and we get all dressed. Like, there's this need inside of us to, to want something that's more, even more beautiful than what's already created is nature. It's, it's art, right? People do art. We need to have art all around us. The beauty of having windows in our houses is partially so you can open them and get air, and you can see what's going on outside. But part of it is simply to behold the beauty that's all around us. Amen? Think about the people that want to get... Um, Uh, A new office, right, in your office building. What's the one type of office with what kind of window is everybody always trying to get? The The corner office, right, with the more windows. Why? Because we want to see out because there's something that God put inside of all of us that is aesthetic needs. It's a need for beauty in our lives. People that are into photography, people that you ever been to a fancy restaurant and they, what do they call it, plating the food? like the, the food looks all fancy because they give a little swizzle of olive oil and some cool stuff and it looks all artsy and it may taste terrible, but you want to order it anyway because it looks amazing. You're like, this is awesome. Snapchat, Instagram, we take pictures of it. Probably doesn't even taste good, but we're drawn to beauty, right? The guy, remember the guy with the steak? Anybody seen that video? No, only me? Cut the steak and he gets the salt and he seasons it, salt it, right? Oh, you guys aren't on social media, that's cool. Um... But God created a need for beauty in us. He also created a need for brains, for smarts, for intellect, for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I was reading that they say the whole uh, scheme, a bunch of articles I was reading, the whole grand picture of human knowledge, of all of human knowledge, is doubling now at a rate of every 12 to 13 months. All that we know about everything We're knowing twice as much every 12 to 13 months. It's just all all inside of all of us is this quest, this yearning. I want to know more. I want to understand more about the world around me. I need to explore the unknown. We watch Nat, Nat Geo. We watch Discovery Channel. We watch all of these things. Remember the old days when you actually had to do a report and go to a library and you had to open up encyclopedias? Who remembers encyclopedias? Remember that? That was crazy. Like my kids nowadays, one laptop, and they do everything off of it. We have internet, we have Wikipedia, we have Google, but there's something that God has put inside of us is, hey, you need beauty to be refreshed and to be whole as a person, and you need understanding, you need wisdom, you need brains. Think about this, single, single people. Well, married people. Think back to when you were dating. Can you guys think back that far? Think back to when you were dating before marriage. What is it that you were looking for more in the opposite sex, beauty or brains? Oh, nobody wants to answer, right? Because you're like... <laughs> It's kind of a trick question, because if you say beauty, what are you saying? Oh, uh, you're, you know, right? If you say brains, you're like, well, I pick brains because you're not so, you know, we're not going to go there. How many of you guys would just say sense of humor? Come on, let's be safe. Let's be safe. Sense of humor, right? But, But the reality is that God created us. To need beauty and brains. There's a need inside of us for, for fulfillment. To succeed in life, we have to find these needs met. And I want to talk about these two things today. i want to be talking to you about two main things, those two needs. I want to talk about true wisdom, and I want to talk about true beauty. And here's the amazing thing, is that God not only created us with needs, But he created the answers to those needs. He created the supplication for those needs. He says, there's part of you as humans that you're going to long for these things, but I've got the answer, I've got the cure, and I want you to find it in me. And so we're going to talk about true wisdom first. And I want to give you a couple verses um, from Proverbs about, about true wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 in the New King James Version says, Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the main thing. It's the foundation. Therefore, get wisdom. Proverbs right away, if you've ever read it, is a book of a whole bunch of poems and sayings. And and what they are is like little bits and nuggets of wisdom that apply to practical living. And he's saying wisdom is the main thing, the principal thing. Therefore, get it. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Then there's another proverb in Proverbs 1.7. starts off the book. And this is what it clearly states. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. He's basically saying two things. Hey, if you have fear of the Lord, and that's not like you're terrified because he's going to get you. It's a reverence. It's a respect. It's like, if you can say God is everything and he's the most important thing in my life, then it says that is the foundation of true knowledge, wisdom, and discipline. And you're foolish if you reject it. It's real simple. You read the whole book of Proverbs, it's just going over and over again, and just so you guys know, it's written by this guy named Solomon. If you guys know the story of Solomon, it's King David's son, right? He's the third king of Israel, and Solomon, what they say about him, if you read in 1 Kings 3 and 4, it talks about him, and it says, Solomon was the wisest man around that anybody knew of at the time, that, that he, he had a knowledge and an understanding of everything, that he knew about the tiniest little insects and plants. He could name everything about them, all the way up to larger animals. He knew about the heavens. He was so smart that kings from other nations would all send people over to just go, what does this guy know about? How does he know so much stuff? He just knows everything. And King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and it's all basic practical wisdom. Again, we're talking about we have a need for wisdom, and God's going, I provided that. I gave it to my boy Solomon. He wrote it down in a book. You should read the Proverbs. It's full of this wisdom. He was the smartest man anywhere that it says at the time. But here's something interesting to know. When David was about to die, his father David was about to die and he's about to give the kingdom to Solomon. He says, hey, be strong, show yourself a man, obey God, that's the best thing you could possibly do. Obey God, treat people well, God's hand will be upon you. And there's a part in First Kings, I think it's chapter three towards the end, where Solomon literally writes this. He goes, you know what? My dad has been a mighty king and a mighty warrior, and I'm now the king of Israel. And there's all these people. And he says this, I feel like a little child. I feel like a kid who doesn't know what's going on. He literally starts off going, I'm not a smart man. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on. And he says, God, can you help me here? And he has this dream where God speaks to him and God says, you know what, Solomon? Because you love me and you honor me, I'm gonna give you anything you ask for. And here's what Solomon asked for. You guys might know the the story is he asked for an understanding mind. He asked for wisdom, basically. He said, look, I don't know anything. I feel like a kid. I've got this kingdom to manage. And what happens is God goes, I like that answer. Wisdom is the foundation of everything. If you get godly wisdom that comes from God, not the world around you, That's everything. And so not only did God give him wisdom, but he goes, because you asked correctly, and wisdom is a big deal, I'm gonna give you riches. Solomon was the richest king Israel ever had. I'm gonna give you riches. I'm gonna give you skill in battle. I'm gonna give you military power and might, and I'm gonna give you a long and prosperous life, all because Solomon asked for wisdom. And so he became this guy that was the smartest and most wisest man around, and he wrote several books in the Bible, One of the other books he wrote besides the Proverbs was Ecclesiastes, which is another of what the Bible calls the wisdom books. I think it's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. There's five wisdom books in the Bible. King Solomon wrote three, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And in the end of Ecclesiastes, the whole point of Ecclesiastes is what is life all about? What is the wise wisdom of why we're here on earth? What is man's ultimate, final pinnacle? What are we here created for? And he goes through this long book, and at the very end of it, you know what he says? Our job, the best thing you could possibly do, what real wisdom is, is to honor God and to obey all of his commands. Love God, fear God, and obey all of his commands. So here's Solomon, the smartest man in the world, and he basically says this. Look, if you don't got God, you don't got nothing. If you got God, that is the foundation for all of your wisdom. So when we're talking about these needs that God puts inside of us, what you got to understand is the conclusion is that godly wisdom is better than worldly wisdom. See, I can relate to Solomon. I can relate to Solomon because I think this. God, I, I started off as a kid from Kailua. I graduated Kailua, or not Kailua. How dare I say that? <laughs> Kalaheo! Go Mustangs! Come on, where's my people? One, two, all right. That's all we need. That's all we need. I'm a kid from Kailua. I graduated Kalaheel High School. All I I knew was I love my friends, I love my girlfriend, I love surfing, and I love Jesus. And somewhere along the line, I began to pray, God, I just need your wisdom in life. I just want your wisdom. And you know, for years of my life, every single day and every single night, I just said, God, give me wisdom, God, give me wisdom. Because I read this story about Solomon. And I said, the way to get the riches, the long life, the prosperity, and all of that isn't to ask for it but it's to ask for godly wisdom. So I began to pray for that. And you know what happened? It's like a Solomon story. Somewhere along the line, I look at myself now, and I'm like, how did I get to be a pastor over a pretty large church? We're having an impact in our community. Lots of people's lives are changing. We still got vision and dreams and hopes for more churches, for bigger amounts of people to come and know Jesus, to get more people into the kingdom, to collaborate with other churches and mission groups, and we've got all of this. And I just think, how did I get here? I'm just a dumb kid from Kailua. I went to Kaleo High School. You know, like, how did this happen? And the reality is simply what Solomon's talking about here. It's all about godly wisdom. And if you find godly wisdom, it's better than any other wisdom. So what I want to I talk to you tonight about is three things under true wisdom on how we can get this type of wisdom. Godly wisdom is better than worldly wisdom. I just went to this leader's retreat. I went to Alabama last week at a church conference to learn how to be a better pastor and all of that stuff. Then on the weekend, I came back and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I flew to Kauai at this Marketplace Leaders Retreat. We stayed in this really cool retreat center on Kauai and it was beautiful and and I was just kind of humbled because I walked in and there's like 40 business leaders and Marketplace influencers and some pastors. And all these guys are really smart, like way smarter than me, right? And so I walk in and I'm like, suddenly went like this. Why did I get invited to this? These guys are like CEOs. They deal with budgets in the, the millions and millions. And, and these guys are so smart. And they have business degrees and they know all of this stuff. And their own companies and everything. And I'm just like, oh, man, don't open your mouth, Carl. You're just going to look dumb. Just sit there and just take some notes, right? And here's, here's what ended up happening is I was intimidated by all of these guys with what the world calls wisdom and knowledge and smarts. And they're, and they're believers, too. Well, what I found is the reason they were all there is to get more of godly wisdom, is that the world is great to them and that's cool, but that what they were craving and yearning and desiring was more of God's practical living for their lives because as smart as they were in businesses, there were several of them there that were broken in their marriages and broken in relationships with kids and different things like that. And here's the thing that blew my mind. God actually would use me, right, the kid from Kailua, to come in there and to begin to counsel with godly wisdom these people that were giants in the business community. And I was speaking life that I only got from the the word of God into their lives. And here's these smart, by the world standards, men that were breaking in tears as I was praying with them and ministering to them because what they knew was godly wisdom is more important than worldly wisdom. Now, not to say that riches and all of that aren't, aren't are a bad thing, because those guys, the whole reason they get together every time is to say, how can we leverage the gifts and the finances and the resources God's given us so that we can pour it into the kingdom and into churches and into ministries? And I love that. But what they're saying is, with, with all the wisdom in the world, you can still have a pretty messed up life. And what we're looking for is some godly wisdom. Amen? And so we're going to talk about how do you get this type of wisdom. Well, there's, there's three ways that I want to talk about tonight. And here's the first one. Write this down. You ask for it. Okay, real simple. That sounds like dumb. Like, really, Carl? You just asked for it? Yes, it's that simple. James 1.5 says this, as clear as day. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. How many times we we kind of feel dumb? You know, you you go to your boss or your teacher or something, and you're like, man, this is going to be a dumb question. I'm not even going to ask it. And sometimes some of us, we come to church and we're like, I don't want to pray that. I don't want to ask God. It's probably so dumb. I'm just so dumb. And, And this is what James 1 5 is saying. He's a generous God. He will not rebuke you for asking. He will give you what you ask for. So ask for wisdom. He's your father. He loves you, and he wants to help you. Some of you have not because you ask not. Well, I don't know what to do in this situation, but it's so dumb. Like, it's it's my fault. I screwed up my own life. Yeah, you might have screwed up your own life, but that doesn't prevent your heavenly father from loving you and having grace on you and wanting to help you fix your life anyway. Are you guys hearing me tonight? So it says, just ask. First way to get godly wisdom is, God, just help me make better choices because you're my good father. I took my daughter surfing the other day my oldest, my 19-year-old, and she doesn't surf a lot, so she's on one of those soft-top wave storms, and we went out to a spot on the reef, and it was a little bigger than she's used to, and there was wind, and so she was a little rusty, and she's like, like oh Dad, I'm kind of scared. you got to tell me what to do, right? She goes, you got to help me. Like, okay, well, we're going to paddle to see this wave coming. We're going to start paddling. She goes, will, will you help me? Will you come with me on the wave? Will you catch it with me, next to me? And you know how good that made me feel, that my daughter needed her dad? Like, it was just like a, And I started thinking, this is what this verse is all about. When we feel dumb and like, oh, I'm too dumb to ask, he says, ask anyway, because he's your father. And he just goes, I want to help you. Come on, just ask. I'm waiting for you to ask. I want to help you catch this wave, I want to help you in your financial decision. I want to help you in that relationship that's getting kind of screwed up right now, and you think you can handle it. But you know what? Just ask me because I'm your father, and I want to help you. So don't be afraid. Number one, if you're, if you're looking for wisdom, is go ahead and ask. Isn't that good? Some of you guys, you know you never ask. You just never ask. You think it's a dumb question. God says there's no dumb questions. Here's the second thing. If you want to get godly wisdom, read the user's manual. Read the user's manual, right? We all know this comes with technology and computers and all of this stuff, and we don't know how to operate this stuff. My friend got a drone the other day, and he's like, no, I'll just pull it out of the package and fly it around and like blows up, right? And so you crash the thing, and what you need to do is look at the instruction manual. Look at the user's manual, and God has given us one. Like I said, there's five books in the Bible that are called the books of wisdom, right? I said Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon. They're actually labeled the books of wisdom. But not to mention all the other books are full of practical life uh, wisdom and knowledge and understanding for us. So use the, the user's manual. Read it. You know, you read the book of Proverbs. Here's a little insight. This is a great book to read every single day of the year. Why? Because there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And you can read one chapter per day of the month all the way up to 31 and so it's a real easy way to remember where to read in your Bible. What's today? The fifth, Single de mile, Single de Proverbs, right? <laughs> proverbs 5, it's super easy You read a chapter and you're getting a load of wisdom from literally the wisest man on earth at the time and who said, it's all about God, it's all about God. So read the user's manual. Here's the third thing, simple way to get this godly wisdom we're talking about, to meet the needs that God put in us, the need for learning and knowledge and understanding. How do I make my life go better? Third one is this, get counseling, right? That one instantly turned off a lot of people because I've heard that before. Like, like someone says, oh, Carl, you got that problem. You should go see a counselor. And you know what happens? At least in guys, pride wells up. Pfft, I don't need to go see a counselor. I don't need counseling. My marriage isn't that bad, right? I don't want to let somebody else into my business and knowing my stuff. But there's wisdom in this when, it, when I'm telling you, get counseling. You want wisdom, get counseling. Now, here's, here's the, the side caveat that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about necessarily going to another man or another woman to counsel you. What I'm talking about is what the Bible says is the Holy Spirit, one of his names is what? The counselor. See, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, the counselor, because he knew created in every one of us is this need for wisdom, and we need to get wise counsel. And so Jesus left planet earth to go to be with the Father in heaven, and he says, I'm giving you all the counselor, and he's going to counsel you. But how many of us remember every day when we wake up to say, Holy Spirit, comforter, counselor, would you have your way in me? Would you instruct me? See, we forget about that. Oh, God, I honor you. I'm going to go start my day, bless my day. But God says specifically speak to the one that actually is known as the counselor. Ask him for counsel. I, I need him every single day. Someone said, Is, how, what's this church all about? Someone new to church the other day said, what's your church all about? Do you guys ever talk about the Holy Spirit? Because I only want to go to a church that talks about the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, absolutely. I, I wake up every single day. I need him every single day. There's no way I can't talk about the Holy Spirit. There's no way I can survive a day without the Holy Spirit because otherwise it's just religion and me trying to follow rules. I need the power of the living God in my life every single day, counseling me, telling me, what does it say he does? He convicts us of right and wrong. He directs us into all truth. He shows us what is right, and he shows us what is wrong and what not to do. Man, if you want to get wisdom, get the counselor. Go get some counseling. Take advantage of the Holy Spirit that is in us. Look at John 16, 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's a powerful statement right there. You want some wisdom in your life? You want all truth in your life? Then get the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. And you got to meet with him. Here's what I know I went to counseling several times in my life. Sometimes I went before on my own, times I've gone with my wife, you know, just to get things tighter and stronger and better in our marriage. But I know this counseling is only good if you keep the appointments. Because it's so easy to go, oh, my schedule's busy, and you cancel and you cancel and cancel. You know what happens? You're not getting any better, you're not getting any help. But you have to make appointments, you have to set them, put them in your calendar, and you have to keep those appointments. So that's what I mean by get counseling is you have to set a time daily to say, you know what? I'm going to meet with the Holy Spirit right now, and I'm going to ask him for counsel. And he's going to speak to my heart. He's going to direct me. And so you're reading the user's manual. You're literally asking the Father and not ashamed to, but you're saying, Holy Spirit, come and counsel me. I need you every single day. Is that good? We covered wisdom right there, just a little bit, just enough to whet your appetite to go seek it. Now, here's a second need that we're talking about in today's sermon is true beauty. See, true wisdom only comes from God. True beauty, to be honest, only comes from God. Now, there's, there's shallow beauty, there's earthly beauty, there's beauty that we see around us, but God goes, no, I'm, I'm even better than what you think you can see right out there. Let me show you what, what true beauty is and where to find it. Where to find true beauty? I got three things for you. Here's the first thing, where to find true beauty. True beauty, number one, is all around you. True beauty is all around, and it's weird, but I need to remind some of you that there is true beauty all around you in your life. I need to remind some of you, guys, because you're so caught up in what's right in front of you in your world You got the blinders on, right? You're just looking at the situation, the problems, the people. You walk around you're just looking at your feet, where you're going in life. You're looking at your situation. And God has created an incredible world of beauty all around you. And you need that beauty to refresh your soul. And look what it says right here in Romans 1.20. I love this verse. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. In other words, hey, ever since he created the earth and the sky and the beauty around it, we've seen it. We walk around planet earth, it's all around us. It says, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God is saying this, you don't believe in God? Look around, who made all that? Just look around, look how complex all that is. See, God's creation especially us in Hawaii, guys, come on, seriously. There's no bad view in Hawaii, right? I mean, I don't care where you live, in the city, in the street, Kalihi, you get outside of your house, you look around, guess what, somewhere you're gonna see a mountain or an ocean. I mean, God is beautiful. You're gonna see blue skies. You could be in LA and it's it's just gray, smoggy skies all the time. I used to live in LA area and there was literally days, some of you guys don't believe this, they would call them, I forget what they would call them, like different levels. What was it? Sig alert. Sig alert, right? The smog alert thing. And they would literally say on the radio, uh, we recommend you don't go outside today." I'm like, wait, did really? I'm like from Hawaii. I'm like, "Don't go outside. Yeah, don't breathe the outside air. It's super bad." <laughs> like, what? Like it's literally that bad that there's plenty days in the year they're just like, "Stay inside in the air conditioning." But here's the deal, guys. We live in Hawaii. We live in one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth, and God is saying, you need beauty to revive and refresh yourself. Would you just slow down and look up? (laughs) Would you just get off the screens, get off everything? God says, I've created planet Earth. Why? So that it would be so amazing. See, God could have created, think about it, he could have created a, a world that we all lived on that looked just like the moon boring, bland, nothing. We still would survive. We'd still get around, but it could have been super simple and boring and bland. But you know what God was doing? He's creating this complex, beautiful planet with all of these different things on it. Because here's what I'm thinking. He's probably trying to get to us so that we'd actually look around and and be like when I go see art for the first time. Oh, who created this? Well, who's responsible for this? This is amazing. Who is to be held accountable for this incredible majesty, this incredible, beautiful thing? And I'm like, I need to meet the artist. Anybody ever heard of Clark Little, the guy that photographs all the, the waves and the barrels in, in Hawaii on the North Shore? Man, when I first saw his stuff, I'm like, I got to meet this guy that finds the beauty in the, in the waves breaking and all of this stuff. And I believe that God in creation was basically saying, look, nobody has an excuse to not know me. All you got to do is, is slow down and look up because look at what I've made. He's hoping that we would discover who he is. Look at Genesis 131. After It's the creation story. God, God looked over everything he had made in the first six days, right? He created everything. Seventh day, he would take a rest, but it says in Genesis 131, God looked over everything that he had made, and it was so good, so very good. You know what God had? He had one of those, not OMG moments, he had an OM-me moment. He said, <laughs> O M me, that's good. How many of you guys didn't catch that? You're like, what is that? See, O M G is God, and he's like, O M me. He had an O M me. He impressed himself. He created creation. He goes, that is good. High five yourself. No one's around, right? He's like so amped, but we have to take the time, get off of the screen and look around. There's beauty all around you. Get off of looking at your empty wallet and complaining, I don't have any of my way. Look around you. Oh, but look at where I live. Look at this God that created me. Look at what creation is all about. You know why? Because there's a need inside to see that because it refreshes and revives us. So slow down and look up. Be someone like my wife who's all about chasing the rainbows. If you ever go to my wife's Instagram or social media, like half of her stuff on there is pictures of rainbows. And it's like, oh, another rainbow. Hmm, Okay, Uh, two days later, oh, there's a rainbow. And it's like always like, it's still just a rainbow. But to her, it's like, that's God. He's just reminding me day after day that he's beautiful, that all of the colors are there, that it's amazing. She's chasing rainbows all the time. And I'm like, I need to be more like that. I need to get off of my screens, get off of my problems, get off of the people's faces that I'm like irritated with and look around and see that, you know what? There's beauty that's all around us. So true beauty is all around. But here's here's the second one. True beauty is also inside. See, the world gets the beauty all around it kind of a deal, right? We see pictures and photos and nature and everybody like, yeah, let's go hiking. That's all good. The world gets that one. This one is a little bit harder if you're living at the world's standards of beauty because by the world's standards, we don't always look deep enough to see the real beauty. We're more impressed with what's shallow and fake and outside and easy. And so what the Bible teaches is that true beauty is inside there's a there's a point in scripture in the book of Samuel there's there's a prophet Samuel. And a prophet is someone that God gives words to and he speaks God's words to God's people and directs them. Hey watch out don't fall into sin or hey I like what you're doing do more of that. I'm going to bless you and all this gives words from God. So Samuel the prophet God tells him I want you to go to this 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 guy's house Jesse. When you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. Because I'm not happy with what's going on with the current king of Israel, Saul. He sinned, and so I need another king. So I want you, Jesse, to or you, Samuel. Would you go to Jesse's house and anoint with oil and tell everybody, Hey, this is going to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel, the prophet, goes to Jesse's house and and he goes, Hey, uh, where, where's your kids? Where's your boys? And he goes, oh, well, here's, here's my oldest. And he comes out, and he's like probably tall, good-looking, buff, whatever. And instantly, Samuel thinks, dude, God, this has got to be the guy. Thanks for letting me know. Here he is. This is going to be the next king. And God goes, stop the music. He goes, that's not the guy. And he goes, really? but this guy, look at him. He looks like a king. And, and Samuel's like, really, God, this isn't it? And God goes, no, no, that's not the guy. So he goes, you got any other sons around here? And he goes, yeah. Brings in the next one. OK, it's this guy. God says, nope, stop the music. It's not that guy either. He goes on, seven brothers, goes out all the way down. Sam has just got to be like feeling kind of like, really? Another one? Yeah, it's not him, right? No, it's not him. Finally, he asks Jesse this. You got any other kids? <laughs> Is there any other boys in your family around here? And he literally just goes, well, there's Davey boy, right? If he was Hawaii, he'd be Davy boy. Well, there's Davey boy. He takes care of the goats and the sheep. The, the bugger's a farmer. He's out there somewhere. Like, him? Should I call him in? Because he's kind of stink. He hangs out all the time. He's like, he's shepherd boy. He's just a little scrub. And then and Samuel goes, no, no, you know what? Bring him in. And so David comes in, the shepherd boy, and God goes, this is the boy. This is the kid. In fact, this is what, what the Lord said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected the good-looking one for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know what God is saying to us about that need for beauty? He says sometimes beauty isn't just gonna be all around you. Beauty is on the inside of people. And if you take the time to dig deep enough, see, God is looking differently. See, we're looking outside. This tall guy, he's gonna be king. And God's looking through him with his way of God goggling at people, right? And he's telling us, put your God goggles on. See, there's beautiful people all around you. They may not look like it on the outside. Their personality, their flat-out looks might not look attractive to you, but when you put the God goggles on, the heart of God, and you begin to see inside, you're gonna be amazed and refreshed by the beauty of people all around you if you would just take the time to look inside. See, when I was young, I used to think old people we're not as attractive, right? How many of you guys were like that? All of us, right? You're young and you're fit and you're like this, and you're like, oh man, you're all old and wrinkly and you move slow and you're this and that. You know what I found now that I'm like middle age, is that some of the most beautiful, beautiful people in this church and in this world are some of the oldest people I know. Because when you take the time to put the God goggles on and hear their stories and listen to their hearts and the journey that they've been on, man, there are some of the most beautiful stories and life lessons you have to learn from people. And as a Christian, I can honestly say, if I take the time to look inside people, some of the most beautiful people that I know are some of the oldest people that I know. And here's on the opposite side, it's true. Some folks that are really old would say, oh man, those stupid young kids, they're so wild, they're so loud, they're so this. But a lot of the God, godly people that I know, time setters in this church in, in especially, they've got the God goggles on. And when they look at the youth, you know what they see? They see the beautiful innocence and vibrancy and energy and passion. And it goes both ways. If you take the time to look past the exterior and look inside, put those God goggles on, you're going to find, wow, the world is full of beauty. There's beauty all around us. Amen? Amen. Man, that's that's good stuff right there. Look at what Proverbs 31.30 says. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. It's all about what's on the inside. Here's just a tip. If you're single, you're dating, and you're looking, look at the product inside and not just the packaging. Okay? This is a little right one. Just write that one down. Look at the product inside and not just the packaging. Because sometimes it's like you're just dating a bag of chips. (laughs) It looks super good on the outside, attractive, desirable, tasty even, and you open it, and it's all air. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Look at the product inside, not just the packaging. That one's free. That one's for you guys right there. Um, let me, I'm going to just skip down to the next, next point. The third one is this, is that true beauty, not only is it around you, not only is it inside. Listen to this one. True beauty is in the ugly. True beauty is actually in the ugly. Now, this is something the world has a really hard time seeing. They see everything at face value, and they're like, No, your life's a wreck right now. That's just all it is, a wreck. Hopefully you get out of it someday. We'll see. Probably not, right? Or your personality, uh, you're you're done. Or you've messed yourself up, your guilt, your sin, uh, write you off. It's ugly. It's chaos. It's confusion. You're where you're at right now. But listen to this. I love this verse in the word in Isaiah. This is Isaiah talking about the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus wasn't even born yet. He wasn't even born for another 700 years Old Testament prophet Isaiah goes, I'm going to tell you because God's telling me what the ministry of the Messiah, Jesus, is going to look like. And this is such an incredible verse. It says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Here's the word I want to look at right there is Jesus promises to give beauty for ashes. That means that true beauty is actually found in what's ugly. Is it whatever you're going through in your life, and you may be someone that says, my life is pretty ugly. Some of you guys might even have said like, you know what, I was born, I talked to a guy recently that said this, I was born as a mistake. I was born in a messy fami- family, mixed race, dad left, mom didn't really want me, mom was in trouble with drugs, and this and that, and all this other stuff, and I was, my whole life, my birth was a mistake, it was a mess, it was chaos. I wasn't really even supposed to be here. And growing up was really, really hard. But then you talk to him, and at some point in his life, he let God in there, which became a beautiful moment, which became the spark of the beauty in amidst an ugly situation. And this guy grew up now, and he's in ministry, and he's touching the lives of thousands of different people. He's bringing in the light and the beauty of Jesus Christ that Jesus is saying, hey, if you let him in your life, then true beauty is actually found in the midst of your ugly, and Jesus can bring something super beautiful out of wherever you're at right now. The life can be an ugly mess, mistake, and it can be chaos, but you just have to have one of those moments where you wait for it. You ever seen those videos where it looks like there's tragedy or a train wreck or something bad, and you're watching, 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 and it's one of those wait for it moments? Wait for it, then right at the end, boom, someone saved. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. God says, that is your life. I want to create something in your life that is going to be beauty." out of ashes, no matter where you're at. I wanna show you a, a video real quick, and it's, it's gonna take like two minutes, I think. But I wanna show you a video that, that makes my point, and I think the guys are gonna get pumped up on it. The girls might too, for different reasons, but would you just take a look at the screens real quick? Beauty from Ashes. How's that? See, sometimes you may be in a situation where you feel like you just got tackled by the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. And you're down and you're out and you're a wreck and you're messy and you are burned up and your life is ashes. But it's because God's trying to do something beautiful in the midst of it. And all of those guys that got tackled was because they were being saved and their lives were being rescued. And wherever you're at right now in your life... Man, God wants to create beauty from ashes. No matter what ugly mess your life is in right now, we have a Jesus that says, I'm all about restoring, redeeming, saving, forgiving, and bringing newness of life wherever you're at. Look, there's two things that we need in life that we talked about here tonight. We need beauty, and God is the best one to meet the needs of beauty. And secondly, we talked first about is we need wisdom, and God is the source of all wisdom. I pray that this week you would begin to press into that and realize that God actually will supply all of your needs. So is that a good word for you guys tonight? Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Yeah. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you that you created us not only with needs, Lord, but you created the means to meet those needs better than anybody or anyone else in this world ever could. Lord, that you are the ultimate giver of true wisdom, the ultimate giver of true beauty. All we have to do is chase after you, and you're going to give this to us. Lord, you just say that we should ask, and you'll give generously. So, Lord, we thank you for being the God that meets our needs, no matter what what situation and what, what place our life is at. Lord, even if we look in the mirror and we look at our circumstances and we call it ugly You are the God that redeems and restores and saves and forgives. And you are the God that says you can give a crown of beauty for ashes. So God, we're gonna hold on for that wait wait for it moment, that beautiful moment when everything turns around. Lord, we love you. We thank you for providing for our needs. I wanna say a prayer right now for anybody in the room that you've maybe never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Honestly, you you could probably walk out of here right now going, "I, I don't know, Pastor Carl, if I have a relationship with God. Well, I want to take care of that right now. I want to lead you in a simple prayer that's going to put you into a right relationship with this God that loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't think you're dumb for asking. He's not going to allow you to go through the the messed up situation you're in. He wants to bring beauty out of that. There is a God that loves you that much if you will just say yes to him. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now in a prayer together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where we're going to make things right with God. And if that's something that you want, I want to ask that you would pray this with me. I'm going to pray the words out loud. Here's how it's going to work. And you're just going to agree with the words I'm saying in your own life, in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud in front of everybody around you, but in your heart, you're going to believe the words that I'm praying, and you're going to pray along with me to enter into a connection and a relationship with God and His Son, Jesus, and the power of His Holy Spirit at work in your life every day. And if you want to pray this prayer with me, it'll change everything. I promise you, God coming into your life is going to bring about some amazing changes, But I want to know one thing, and that's if you want to join me in this prayer tonight, you would let me know before we pray by simply raising your hand. If that's what you want to do, would you just lift your hand up right now and say, Pastor Carl, I want to pray this with you. I want want to be a Christian right now. Do you hold it up until I acknowledge you? Good, I see one person right here. I see one person, two people right there. Someone over there, someone here, someone there. Thank you, I see you, ma'am, over there. Can you keep your hands up? I just want to acknowledge you. Thank you, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see one back there. I see someone waving over here. I see you, sir, amen. I see you, ma'am. Anybody else around here? Okay, I got that one too already. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and put your hands down, and would you make this the prayer of your heart this evening? What I say out loud, you prayed in your heart to God right now. Here we go. God, I'm here tonight, Lord, and I understand that you've created me as a human being with needs to succeed in my life, just just basic needs of love and belonging, protection and and self-esteem and safety and, and knowledge and beauty and all of this. And Lord, not only have you created me with these needs But you alone have created the means to supply all of those needs. And so, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I I need you. And, Lord, I'm I'm letting you know in my heart right now that I believe in you and who you are. I believe that your son, Jesus, came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life, and he taught us how to have a relationship with you. Then he did the most amazing thing. He actually went to the cross and died for my sin, for our sins together. Sin and separation from you and wanting to do things our own way, that Jesus put that to death. And then he rose from the dead, conquering death itself and all the sin and all the baggage and the guilt and the shame and all the junk in my life. Lord, I believe it. And if I choose to believe in you, Lord, your word says that you're going to create me in me a new creation. Your spirit's going to change me. And Lord, I'm going to be your child from here on out. Lord, it means a lot of things. I don't have to fear death because I know when I die where I'm going for all of eternity. I know that you're going to be in my life changing me every day. Lord, as I get my Bible and start reading it, learning about you, going to church, hanging out with God's people, getting baptized as a way of letting everybody know that I'm a new creation in you, Lord, you're going to begin a new work in my life. As you give me your Holy Spirit to make some changes in who I am and, and what I can do in life, Lord, I receive all of that. From the bottom of my heart right now, I'm saying yes to you, Jesus, in your plan for my life. Thank you for being my God from this moment into eternity. Thank you for loving me. And in Jesus' name, the church said amen. 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 Can we praise God with all those people that prayed tonight?